Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dancing on Our Disabilities show is a global forum where you're invited to share your personal story of survival and triumph over disability. A meeting place to gather information from experts in the medical community and additional resources for the enrichment of society. A group dedicated to bringing information, support, and love into the lives of people with disabilities, as well as their caregivers. Welcome to Dancing on Our Disabilities Radio. The title to our show is a metaphor for overcoming all kinds of adversities and challenges while creating the best quality of life possible. At Dancing on Our Disabilities, we dance to the music in our hearts and our minds, regardless of the obstacles we may encounter. Today, our dance partner is Kathy Alice Kowanagi, who is an outstanding disability advocate. Today, she discusses the awareness and prevention of bullying, which targets people with disabilities. Kathy Alice has a bachelor's degree in social work and a master's degree in child care administration. She is an accomplished professional who has a lot to be proud of. She was born in Hawaii at the age of 13. Her family relocated to Michigan. As a married woman with two adopted daughters, she saw firsthand the bullying and intimidation her daughters experienced. Later, ironically, after Kathy became ill with cancer and lost her eyesight, she witnessed the bullying that people with disabilities experience. Although she underwent radiation, which killed the tumors, it came at a very high price. Shortly after the treatment, Kathy was diagnosed with radiation glaucoma, which eventually led to the complete blindness in her left eye and extremely limited vision in her right. Kathy has a lot to say about the topic and a great deal of wisdom to share with our listeners today. However, before I bring Kathy on, I want to ask you a question out there in cyberspace. Have you ever witnessed someone being bullied? Well, did you do anything about it? It takes so much courage to stand up and speak out when you witness an injustice. There are so many reasons that people remain silent. Often it's because they fear becoming targets themselves, or the person who is doing the bullying may be someone that they considered to be a friend. Regardless of the reason, one might decide to take a back seat. Doing so is simply wrong. Society needs to support the person being targeted and bring an end to this very cruel, self-esteem-crushing practice. Kathy, it's always fabulous to have you visit. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you invited me. It's our pleasure, Kathy. Now, you have a very interesting story, and I would like you to share that story with our listeners and your struggle with cancer and what it did to you. Cancer is devastating and it affects your whole family. And it took me a while to realize because I was egocentric about my devastating situation with cancer, but I soon realized it affected my whole family. And what it did is it took me from my journey 
as a sighted woman, uh, professional, to a new journey that I had to learn to embrace. And I had to learn new skills in order to move forward. So now I'm on my new journey in life as a blind professional, a blind woman. And I work really hard at being a blind ambassador for others. But it took away a lot from me, but I've gained it back. But I've only gained it back because I had to, because I wanted to live and have a life with purpose. And you do. And I will say that I know Kathy personally, and she's a real mover and shaker and an extremely outspoken person and believes very strongly in equality. No one should be negatively judged or silenced or pushed around or made fun of for the benefit of somebody else's, well, power. I want to call it power because bullies like to feed on other people who are less privileged than they are or that they think are less privileged. Therefore, when they do bring someone down in their mind, they believe it lifts them up when it does exactly the opposite. So now at midlife, this all happened to you at midlife and your children were still teenagers or? Yes, they were still teenagers. So it was a rough thing for them because I should be taking care of them and they not taking care of me. So that was the change in role somewhat. But it wasn't until I overcame my depression and despair and gained all the skills and entered the workplace again as a disabled woman that I realized that that control and power regarding bullying existed in our disabled community by sighted people. Control and power is what the person who is bullying or intimidating someone is looking for. And generally they have themselves insecurities or low self-esteem. And what I have found through my life is when somebody intimidates or bullies is to build up their self-esteem. And sometimes it's to give them pleasure. There's people who do it just because it brings them internal delight, which is very odd and, and wrong. But generally in a workplace with disabled people, what I have seen is that they want the disabled person to be voiceless, just to be a poster child of a disabled person and not to have a mind and a voice. And so there's a lot of things that was done to me and I've noticed done to other people that limited their growth or ability and increase their fear to speak up and speak out. Oh, it's interesting what you're saying because I have witnessed that myself as a woman with a mobility issue. And it's very clear to people like Kathy and myself who have had these changes happen midlife. For me also, and you know the difference of when you're being treated appropriately and when you're not being treated appropriately, which may be difficult to discern if you have had the issue from birth. You may not as readily recognize discrimination as you and I do because I know exactly what it felt like when I was dealing with people on exactly the same level. In fact, I have to tell you that I went Christmas shopping with my daughter just this weekend, and I know the difference. People in the stores will talk to her, the cashiers and the, the people who direct you as to where to find a certain object in the store before they talk to me. 
I see it. It's so clear and so obvious to me. I don't think that my daughter would notice it or an able-bodied companion that might be out with you, a partner, a friend, but I see it. Are you aware when you, do you hear a difference in the way people talk to you? Yes, the perception. And what's the message we receive when people behave that way toward us as disabled functional people is that we are non-important, that we don't matter, that we're void, we're not even there. It's very Mm -hmm. insulting. And basically when that does happen to me, I will pipe up and with my humorous wit say something and turn the situation around. And that is my way to to just, you know, make them realize how low and my husband always laughs and elbows me because he knows that I won't let it happen. I'll say something. <laughs> I it was funny because I had that situation in it was at the checkout at a particular store and a department store. And you know how they have the swipe for the card. My daughter said, here, I'll do it for you. And she really meant well. And I said, no, thank you. I, I'm capable of doing that myself. I may not be capable of opening a door myself, but I can do that myself. And it's there, and and that's my own child that I love and adore. Oh, my gosh, I adore this girl. But she didn't realize that by saying that to me, even though she's aware that I, could, that I am able to stand and do take care of that myself, she wanted to make it easier. But it disempowered me, I felt, within that setting. So I have to check my ego, too. Absolutely. And see, the situation, what happens with us is that our children take on that parenting and treat us like the child, not to be insulting, but because they love us. And we're not ready for that. (laughs) I told her, when I become senile and, and... a, a, a funny daddy that's when you can do it for me right now i'm i'm very capable of yes. taking care of my personal needs so well, you also find as a disabled person i know as a blind person i went through this terrible two situation where i kept saying no i'll do it myself i'll do it myself i i wanted autonomy and you mm-hmm. go through that and then you break out and the people around you realize oh she she's capable And so I did go through my terrible two, looking for autonomy and yelling, I'll do it myself. (laughs) Oh, I know that well. I can do it. I'll do it myself. Just like a little kid, terrible two. That's a perfect Mm -hmm. description. Tell me about your sensitivity training because I think right now in our society, if we don't train people, because disability is something that the society is, large beliefs happens to somebody else. They never think about it happening to them or within their family until it strikes. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. how do you feel about the sensitivity training and, and where do you think it begins and how do we administrate it so that people get it and see us for our talents, our abilities, our skills, our productivity, and not the fact that we have a challenge that we Mm -hmm. are able to overcome. Mm -hmm. I have been so honored to be able to do sensitivity training in various agencies, most especially with the Palm Trans Service Board through the different vendors and just being part of the board. But what, what sensitivity training does is that it gives a foundation If we can inform, increase the knowledge, and let people know how they can assist us and increase our potential and decrease the illogical, sometimes cultural feelings about disabilities, 
then we are working at decreasing bullying. Because the more informed you are of learning to accept someone with a disability, the more likely you're not going to be a bully. So it's a wonderful tool to get out there to let people know about various disabilities. Because once they realize and can accept, fear itself is not, does not play a part with intimidation, the slight, with the nonverbal, with the soft bullying, which is subtle forms of force or threats or control. Mm-hmm. Very often, people with invisible disabilities suffer the most. Take, for example, somebody with significant hearing loss. Mm-hmm. who in every way looks, quote-unquote, able-bodied, but they cannot hear announcements or, dis- or actually understand what the announcement is saying. They may not hear alarm systems going off, car horns, fire alarms. Oh, I, it's just... Unbelievable how You're right. serious. And yeah. Without my cane, people don't realize that I can't see. So many times they don't see my cane, And whose name is Ray Charles, by the way. And <laughs> so all of a sudden I realize somebody's talking to me, and I'll have to say, are you talking to me? Because I can't see them. So many times that invisible disability can cause other people to form judgments about you. For example, a deaf person. I said hi to them. They didn't speak to me, so they must be rude. I'm just going to ignore that person. People make assumptions without really peeling away and figuring out what's going on. You know, I see you- it all the time, Kathy. I really do. I witness it, and I'm aware. I also know when somebody who has a hearing issue is struggling to hear me, I can tell from the body language they'll lean forward a little bit or, mm-hmm. or, or, or turn their head to a certain angle which would face the stronger ear. Right. So Are you intuitive? Well, no. I'm a person who, like you, is a disability advocate, mm-hmm. so I'm trained. Mm-hmm. To recognize it when I see mm-hmm. it, the average person isn't. And therefore, no. they can inflict a lot of offensive behavior towards a person with a disability because they don't pay attention. As I said earlier, disability seems to be something that happens to other people, not right. you. Now, and I wanted sensitivity training is so important. I think it's key, and I think it's also very important that it's done on the premises of a potential employer. A lot of people are so bigoted towards people with challenges, they don't want to open their eyes to the talent that's out there. They dismiss the person that applies for the job that Mm -hmm. has a challenge. And they are unwilling, not only unwilling, but I think uninformed about the programs that are out there that will help them accommodate hiring a new employee that has a challenge because they're going to increase their productivity and bottom line Mm -hmm. because the most Grateful people are people with, who get the chance to have a purpose. You said it very clearly earlier. You said that you went through a tremendous period of depression initially because you lost your purpose, because you didn't know that you had one again until you went back to work as a um, professional helping people adjust to blindness and disability. You want to talk about what you, what you did and do? 
in that arena? Mm-hmm. That was an excellent job for me to help others learn to embrace and accept their vision loss and their new journey because it takes a lot to say goodbye to your old self, to what you had. And a good example is when we go through our things, we have difficulty throwing things out. We, we have difficulty partying. So saying goodbye to my sight itself was very hard. I wanted to do those things. I wanted to drive. I wanted to do my craft, et cetera. But I had to say goodbye to that. And everybody has a difficulty saying goodbye to that life. And once they do, I help them. I'm their biggest cheerleader and guide on that journey to learn to say it's okay and to turn around and say, here's my new journey, one with vision loss. Either I'm partially blind, visually impaired, or total vision loss. And once they do that, then it opens up. The world opens up because they're not doing the, I wish, or I used to do this. All those words just are salt on our wound, on our blindness, or our disability. When we say, I used to be able to do this, I used to do that, and it prevents us from really healing. So my, essentially my job was to help them learn how to heal, move on, accept their vision loss, and find a direction. And I enjoyed that very much. Here in our county, we have many, many people with vision loss. It's over 44,000 people. And... It's growing because of macular and glaucoma, and as the baby boomers age, we're seeing an increase. So there's a huge community of people with vision loss, not to mention within our county, an enormous community of people with disabilities. If people just stop and look, they'll see, oh, the person on the bus is in a wheelchair or using a walker, but we're not seen very well. Mm. And that's that's the problem. But what I did, I really enjoyed. Well, you really really are a go-getter, and you are an inspiration to everyone. And, And you also, I'd like you to talk about your position as chairperson at uh, the Connections for Palm Tran, which is our local, for those people who may listen to this who are not local, our transportation system here in Palm Beach County is called Palm Tram. And chair, um, Kathy is the chair of the board. So it's very interesting because I think that you bring a lot of value to the board since you yourself use the service. Tell us about that. Thank you. I'm very proud of being on the Palm Trans Service Board. I've been on it almost four years. And in February, I was nominated and voted to be the chairperson of the board. So I became the first disabled person to chair this county board. And we oversee the transportation, which is the fixed route, as well as the connection to the disabled. I enjoy it because here I am being a role model model for the disabled community. I am in a leadership position facilitating meetings. We do not have a lot of people in our community here who are disabled, who are in leadership roles. So I find it an honor to do this as I represent our blind community and our disabled community and just the community at large. I have enjoyed making many, many changes that are being used. We have a subcommittee which oversees the paratransit, the what's called connection. And I've worked really hard at getting people on that board who represent the disabled community or themselves are disabled. And that has brought in just more oxygen 
to the meetings because now we have people who understand how connection runs and the clients that use it so that they can hear from their clients at their agency if there's any issues and they can bring it to the table because many clients are afraid to say anything who are disabled. It's a fear that they have. They don't use their voice. They're afraid to. But with these people on the board, now they have a way to get their feelings, their thoughts, their problems, bring them in for solution. So it's been successful. Yeah, it is. And I I witness it every month because I sit on the board myself. And, and Kathy runs a very tight ship, a very effective board, and it's a wonderful... I, I invite as many people to come and, as, as a public, to comment on what they enjoy or feel is missing from our public transportation. So you're doing a fabulous job, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I wanted to ask you to describe what bullying really is in the workplace. But before I do, I want you to give your contact information. Then I'm going to take a very short break. But I want you to let people know that you're available to speak at their event regarding the importance of disability awareness and the employment of people with disabilities, that you have a wonderful I guess, sense of humor that you add into your speeches. You're also available for sensitivity training to go into various places of business and educate people on the necessity of understanding what the needs are of people with disability and therefore treating them as equals. Basically, you're available to educate the business community, as well as the private sector. So let's give everybody your contact information. Thank you. My email address is C-A-K-O-Y-A-N-A-G-I at gmail.com. I also have a blog, blindvoice.wordpress.com. And my blog focuses on disabilities and my story. Anything that I feel is important to share with the public to help increase knowledge. So I would really appreciate any comments, emails, questions. That would be wonderful. And if anyone lives in Hawaii and would like to pay for me to go there to do sensitivity training, I'm in. Wonderful. We're going to be right back. Don't forget, Kathy is on LinkedIn. She's on Facebook. So there are lots of ways to contact Kathy. And it will all be listed in the blog. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. We're going to hear more about bullying from Kathy and what we can do to end this ugly practice. So hang in there. Sign up today for my weekly radio show announcements and guest information and receive a free chapter of my newest book, Dancing on Your Disabilities, Never Say Impossible to Your Dreams, My Story of Perseverance, Passion, Hope, and Happiness. Dreams do come true despite adversity. If I can do it, you can do it too. And here we are again And this is Dancing on Our Disabilities Radio. I'm Myra, your host. And we are talking to Kathy Alice Koenagi. She is a disability advocate who suffered a brain tumor and lost most of her eyesight. So, Kathy, let's describe the various types of bullying that goes on. There are many types of bullying. 
And what I see with the disabled population and what I know that through what happened in my employment to me where I don't work anymore and those are the reasons that I quit is basically intimidation, which is subtle by words and also soft bullying, which again is a subtle form of force and um, veiled threats. It's a way to control someone as well as collateral bullying. And that is when something is done to a disabled person and everyone observes it, sees it, so that everyone gets that feeling, if I do something like that or if I speak up, use my voice, that's going to happen to me. So it instills fear and intimidates others when you bully. It's collateral bullying. And in the workplace, what I saw was a lot of intimidation, actually, a lot of that. I saw deceit, a lot of deceit where people were told one thing and others were told another and no consistency. So there's a lot of untruthfulness going on. And where I worked, I was told that I had to get my time that I worked from home pre-approved. So if I was going to put in a couple hours to write some notes or call people to remind them about their upcoming sessions, I had to have that pre-approved. Then I found out the other people that worked in this agency did not. And that's wrong. So the rule only applied to you, but when I questioned it, I was told everyone had to. And that was deceitful. Another one is the being ignored. It's a classic tactic and one that I saw occurring frequently where I worked, where you would send an email about a critical issue, et cetera, and there'd be no response back. They would just ignore you, and you'd send a second one, it would be ignored. Or you yourself would be ignored. Nobody will sit around you, et cetera, that type of thing, isolation. Hmm. And I've witnessed that myself, Kathy, mm-hmm. the, the subtle but not so subtle ignoring you and mm-hmm. dismissing your opinion as unimportant and it's awful. It comes again where you're a non-person. It's that, you know, and we're going to all ignore you and not return your emails, et cetera, like you don't matter. And, and you know, the employer will also minimize what, what you're feeling and make excuses. A lot of times they'll still take credit for things you've done. So if you notice things like this, then you have to question yourself, what's going on here? Why am I being treated this way with this soft form of bullying? What's going on? Many times people will go to their HR, which is is the proper thing to do, but it's also the worst thing to do. We have to remember that HR, human resources, is really there for the agency, not for you. And so when I went to HR, it opened up a can of worms because I reported that the downstairs bathroom was not meeting ADA requirements. We have people who can't go in there with their scooters into the accessible stall. And what happens is when you do go to HR, yeah, they'll make the correction, yeah, but then you're also going to be faced with retaliation. And you have to have the courage to stand up regardless. Courage is a very important component when it comes to dealing with bullying. I remember incidences where when I felt that I was the target of bullying, I almost couldn't believe what I heard the first time. You know, and you think, hmm, am I being hypersensitive? What, What's going on here? And right. then by the second time it happens, you're pretty sure you know what you heard and what what's being like, directed towards you. Stopping it is a whole different issue because most people don't notice unless it's directed at them or it's downright blatant. You know, it's just in your face. But the subtle form of bullying can easily be 
dismissed as, oh, you're being hypersensitive. Absolutely. And which is even more offensive because you're not. You know that it's being directed towards you and you want to bring attention to it. But in doing so, you also are now stigmatized as a person who's a problem. So in, the, the message there is shut up, be quiet, and be, just be accepted. And to me, that's the worst possible thing you can do because it only exacerbates the problem. And they'll, they're not only going to do it to you, they're going to do it to other people. So mm-hmm. very, very, very well put. But there is a risk when you're proactive. How do you feel it, about that? There is a risk. And you realize that even though you're standing up for something that would benefit everybody, that when the dust settles, you're going to stand alone, that the people that you thought you were helping or that said, yeah, this happens to me too, they're going to be afraid. It's human nature. It's unfortunately human nature for people to be afraid and step back and not want to be involved, but they want to see the change. They just don't want to be the person that takes that step forward. Many disabled individuals are so afraid to use their voice, and they're afraid they're going to lose their job. Or, and I know this for a fact, a lot of the clients I had were afraid to say anything if they had problems with the agency because they won't service me anymore. They'll drop me as a client. They won't be nice to me. Now, we can't discredit these feelings. These are real feelings. We have to question, what's going on that these people will feel this way? Is there a history of anything going on? So a lot of people are so afraid to speak, and they don't use their voice. And we have a lot of people who are seniors who really have great anxiety and have nobody to rely on, so they just isolate themselves when things happen. They just suffer alone. But the retaliation, wow, that's something that is uncontrollable when the people are unprofessional and unethical. If people are, the agency acts professionally, follows the standards, and ethics, there should be no retaliation. But the key is you're dealing with human beings who have faults, great faults. And the emotional conflict and harm that it causes is tremendous when there's retaliation because you feel victimized and you feel intimidated, you feel bullied, you feel isolated for speaking your voice. Now, is it worth the risk? In my situation, it was. If it means that it makes a better agency and that the clients get a better service, then it was worth it. And I think, is I think up- that you are the most courageous lady I know. <laughs> well, thank you. You do. You, you really are very outspoken in a very politically correct way, but you don't take the garbage. So if you stand as a role model, I think, for the community. And if people would finally get the courage to speak out, there would be less and less abuse in this arena. You have some suggestions about where people go when they feel their their rights are being violated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things before I give you those suggestions is that people have to remember that being proactive is not negative. It means you're making an effort to correct, to change, or improve a situation by responding in a correct manner so that there is change, there is an improvement. So. And that's what we want. We want our community to improve. We want our services to improve. But awareness and knowledge and information are key. So if you're in a disabled community, you have to find ways to get help. 
One here in Florida is Disability Rights Florida, and that number is 800-342-0823. You can contact them and talk to someone and say, you know, this is going on. What's your take on it? You know, what do you think is going on here? Can I get your support? And they're there to talk to you and help you. They're on your side. The Office of Equal Opportunity is another one. And here in Palm Beach County, that number is 561-355-4931. And you can Google Office of Equal Opportunity and find the one in your area. But most importantly, know your community. For me, the National Federation of the Blind, since I'm blind, I belong to that organization. And it's a very helpful link for me. They can refer you. They can send letters for you, et cetera. So know and belong to support groups for your disability because you can find great resources there. Other people will use other forms, such as sending a letter to the governor of your state saying, hey, look, this is happening to me, congressman all that, anything you can bring attention, especially if it's an agency that is not providing service or not fulfilling their contract, and they need to know what's going on. Well, all that information is key to ending these practices. And even though you may never, ever need those agencies, hopefully you never do. I think it's very important that you know they exist. And there are people who will help you if you have been victimized unfairly because you have a challenge of one kind or another. And this is not just about being disabled. There are other agencies that fight for the rights of people, period, women, uh, gender discrimination, religious or racial discrimination. Children. Children, Mm -hmm. right, exactly. These are things that we have to end. And if we don't do it as a society, who will? It will continue to go on. And I, for one, feel that we do have the power. And there's enough of us. And the ADA has helped tremendously to give us a voice. So fear should be your last concern. Speak out, speak out, speak up. What do you have to say as inspiration to people who are suddenly finding themselves different and they've got to go through the grieving process either from an illness or an accident or some sort of genetic condition that they develop. What can you say to help them get through the loss? One of the things I learned is that time really is nature's band-aid in healing. Everything takes time. And you don't want to isolate yourself. You want to connect with people. But the bottom line, when we pull away all the layers, what do we really want? We want to be loved. We want to be a part of something. We want to belong. So when you're hit with a trauma, whether it's blindness or become paralyzed or a death in a family, you need the connection. You need to feel again that you belong. And with that comes that stimulation in your heart, in your gut, in your mind. Because if you stay alone within yourself, you just eat from the inside out. And so it's really important to reach out, find someone, something, whether it's going to your church or calling the helpline, the 211 and speaking to them, you can always call them and talk to them and let them know how you're feeling, or a support group. But the big thing is when something happens, reach out. You know, you have to reach your hand into the darkness 
to pull someone into the light. It's really important. So we have to be there for each other. I think that's beautiful, Kathy. And I, I do think that isolation is an enemy. People who have gone through a loss that in some way has changed their their health or their ability to ambulate, there is a tendency to isolate. And there is a tendency to have a need for different friends. For example, your old friends may be very, very active running around, and you can't keep up. When that happens, it doesn't mean you're going to totally lose those friends, but you have to accept the fact that your life is so different that keeping up with them is going to be difficult. So Mm -hmm. reaching out and finding people who are more sensitive to your issues and less interested in running and more interested in you and your friendship might be a wise decision. It, it can be very difficult for someone to make that adjustment and, and they ask themselves, where have my friends gone? Well, they haven't gone anywhere, but they're just running a lot faster than you can. You sent me a quote that I love by Philip Zimbardo. Yes. Do, you, do you know it by heart or do you want me to read it? I pretty much know it. It, it bullies may be the perpetual perpetuators of evil, but it is the evil of being passive of all those who know what is happening and never intervene that perpetuates such abuse. And that's why we as advocates we have to, we have to speak up. We have to use our voice and be proactive as a community and maybe organize and collectively unite so that we can have something to fall back on that we can go to and say, hey, in this new group that we have for being proactive, this is going on. Any ideas how I can handle it? And a, lot of, a lot of people, Kathy, don't realize what it took to get the country to recognize the needs of people with disabilities that Mm -hmm. for years people picketed and uh, took trips to Washington, D.C., sat on steps. Oh, my gosh, I remember a video of the little paralyzed girl. She must have been seven or eight, crawling up. She can't walk crawling up the steps of the Capitol, saying, I'll do it myself, I'll do it myself. And then somebody had her wheelchair up there. And I remember that. That was one of the protests. Very That's touching. That's a vivid, vivid memory in my, in, for me. That's what it was all about. And it's still going on. Sometimes change happens so slowly, we don't even realize it's happening. But I think the key is to be the change that we want to see. And that never happens if you isolate yourself. You have to reach out. You have to be active in your community. You have to speak out and let people know that you do have a voice and that you are going to fight back if there is an injustice that you witness or has been directed in your your direction. Kathy, this has been a very enlightening conversation and your candor and honesty is very refreshing. And I know that you will help many people who are now in transition, worried about the rest of their life. There is life after disability or during disability. There is wonderful joy and, and great friends that, that you will meet. There are a lot of agencies that will work to try to help you regain your life and be active in the community. So, Kathy, 
I'd like to invite you to come back whenever you would like to come back. It'd be my pleasure. And one more time, please tell our listeners how they can reach out to you. The best way is email me at C-A-K-O-Y-A-N-A-G-I at gmail.com or check out my blog, blindvoice.wordpress.com. But do reach out and let me know your comments. Give me some ideas on solutions that you might have because together we can overcome. Individually, we tend to falter, but there's strength in numbers. And remember, you're not alone. That's for sure. Once again, thank you. And to you out there in cyberspace, thank you for joining us today. And remember to visit Facebook.com, Dancing on Our Disabilities. Remember to like the page when you visit. You can listen to this show on TalkShoe.com, Stitcher.com, iTunes.com, TuneIn.com, uh, Stitcher and TuneIn are Bluetooth accessible, so it can be put on your car radio or any Bluetooth device that you have. And, of course, you can find the blog and the show at www.myragoldick.com when you visit the show archive page or the blog page. Remember to sign up for my weekly newsletter with all the information about our guests. And if you get the opportunity to sit it out or dance, dance. You've been listening to Dancing on Our Disabilities, a production created for the people and by the people. If you wish to contribute information, your story, or reliable, validated medical information to our program, please visit Myra Goldick or visit our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash dancing on our disabilities. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.